Hello, it's great to get to speak with you this evening. As Richard and Maxine said, my name is Holly. Um, if we haven't met, I'm the Youth Minister. And um, I'm going to be, as, we, as has been mentioned, I'm going to be continuing our series, Who He Is. The power in God's names. Our passage this evening is a wonderfully challenging and foreshadowing passage. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac, and it's found in Genesis 22. So if you'd like to follow along in your own Bibles or on your phone apps, then now is the time to get that ready. So let me pray as I begin. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would give us ears to hear your voice, eyes to see you, and hearts ready to grow in understanding of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So who is God? Have you ever asked that question? It's a question I've been asked quite a few times. It's rarely a question that's sort of said with any kind of aggression or any, you know, no one really shouts that question, do they? Who is God? It's often whispered, who is God? In this teaching series, we are looking at the different names that are found in the Bible and what they tell us about who he is. Now, why would we do such a thing? Well, firstly, I'd like to talk to the young people in the room. Young people, let's talk about the adults. When I speak to adults about the Christian faith, I find that they can often find themselves asking questions like, what would God have me do in this situation? How do I honour God with my life and the way I live? And that's often coming from a place of feeling like they know who God is pretty well and are wondering what that means for the life that they live. These are good questions. PFers and YFers, remember them. They are good. Adults, let's chat about the young people. Often, when I talk to young people about faith, they are asking questions like, why would God do this? What is God like? Who is God? Sorry, give me one moment, I've lost my place. <laughs> oh yeah, it's often coming from a place of feeling like they know what God is like, they fe um, sorry, feeling like they know pretty much what's expected of how they should live, often thinking that all the fun stuff is excluded, which it's not, by the way, um, and just wanting to understand better who God is. These are good questions. Adults, remember them. These two things, who God is and how we live in response to that, they work together, don't they? And you hopefully know that part of the vision at the six is that younger learn from older and older learn from younger. Now that means that the connections that you have in this room with people that are not in your age bracket are really important for them and for you. That's why times like the Six Social later are so important. But understanding who God is will always be formational. 
That means that knowledge about God, it's never abstract like facts that we need to remember. It's formational. It shapes who we are and who we grow to be. God's nature and his purpose dictate our nature and our purpose. So as we head into this series to get to know who he is better, let's remember the heart of God. He doesn't reveal himself just to satisfy our curiosity about him. He reveals himself because he loves us. He wants to be known to come together with us, to reconcile with us, to make us new. It's an act of relationship when God reveals a bit about who he is. It's like when someone opens their arms waiting for a hug or puts out their hand for a handshake. It's an act of relationship. Now, Richard began this series a few weeks back and then we had a bit of a break as we looked at our vision as a church. Richard unpacked the name Yahweh, the Lord, unchanging, dependable, holy. And Yahweh is a name that's used alongside lots of other names for God, including tonight's name, Yahweh Jireh. So Edmund is going to come up and read the passage for us now. Thanks, Edmund. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went up together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld me from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram, caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided.
Thanks, Edmund. Oh, it's a troubling story, isn't it? Does God really demand that Abraham sacrifice Isaac, his son? The son that he loves so much? Well, no, as it turns out. God doesn't demand that. Don't fail to notice that God interrupts the sacrifice and he provides a ram instead. And that's why Abraham calls the mountain where this happened, Yahweh Jireh, the Lord provides. Now this name, it actually means two things. And they combine together to to give us the words, the Lord provides as its full meaning. It means the Lord sees and it means the Lord will see to it. So you can see how the Lord will see to it becomes the Lord will provide and we get the Lord provides. So let's dig into the passage a little bit more. Abraham, okay, his name means father and yet he has spent most of his life fatherless. This isn't the first time that Abraham has heard from God. Um, Some context for the passage is just like Patrick spoke about last week, which was one of our vision talks. In chapter 12, God says to Abraham, go up and leave. I'm going to take you to a new place and I will bless you. And then in verse chapter 15, he makes a covenant with Abraham. And then in chapter 21, God blesses Abraham and Sarah with their son, Isaac. So the last couple of times that Abraham has heard from God, it's been good news, hasn't it? Blessing and covenant and children. This time, it's not so good, is it? The most precious thing to Abraham, his son is threatened. But somehow, by the end of this passage, as we heard, Abraham calls Yahweh Jireh, the Lord provides. Now, there are three points that I'm going to pull out of this passage that are going to help us answer those questions that we had at the beginning. Who is God and how does that shape who we are and how we live? God sees you. The stakes are high. Look up. So firstly, God sees you. As Abraham heard God's words to him, he got up early the next morning and he set off. He listened and he obeyed. I can't tell you how many times I asked my son Reuben to put on his socks this morning, but he definitely didn't listen and then obey. It was quite a different story. But that's what Abraham did, despite how scary and awful the prospect of having to sacrifice his son Abraham chose to trust God. And at the beginning of this passage, Isaac is described as the son that Abraham loves. Did you know this is the first time the word love is used in the Bible? To describe how Abraham felt about his son, he loved his son, the child he had longed for. We don't actually get a glimpse into how Abraham was feeling in this passage, do we? We just see what he did. It's the story of a person, like you or me, choosing to be obedient. 
And God provided for Abraham based on what he saw. That prevision led to God's provision. The Lord sees Abraham in this passage and the Lord sees you. Yahweh Jireh, the Lord provides, the Lord sees, the Lord will see to it. Consider your situation right now. I don't know it, but you do. Your relationships, maybe, financial needs, illness, injury, feel seen. As I was preparing this sermon, a particularly difficult family situation came into my mind. A relationship which, quite frankly, has been labored and full of hurt for about seven years now. And though Mark and I continue to pray and hope, even recently, it's been more difficult than ever. Yahweh Jireh, the Lord sees. He is the one who sees me and you. And knowing this about God means that even when it feels like it's a lost cause, a situation that we find ourselves in, like Abraham did, going forth and trusting God in that shows us Yahweh Jireh, the Lord that provides, the Lord that is providing. He will provide another way. And God sees you. He has you in his vision. He's not looking at everybody else except you. Have you ever felt like that? I I know I have. Felt like God is looking at everybody else except me. And if that's you, hear this tonight. He sees you and your situation. He hasn't forgotten you. He is the God who sees you. Secondly, the stakes are high. Abraham finds himself with a choice, doesn't he? Will he fear loss or will he trust God? He has to decide how he will respond. I wonder when you last had to make this kind of choice. Will I trust God or I fear loss of reputation, maybe, friends, money? I don't know what it was for you. When did you last have to make this choice? this choice. A big experience for me in this kind of situation was actually moving here. It was about five and a half years ago and my husband Mark and I and our little two-year-old daughter Evelyn and our 10-month-old boy Reuben, we felt called here. So we moved. Had no friends. We left a small, tight church family. We finally got onto the property ladder in Seven Oaks, and there was no way we were going to manage it here. Claygate's expensive, isn't it? We, we, we um, couldn't find anywhere to live, in fact, for the first few months, and the nanny that we had sorted childcare for our children all fell through right at the beginning. But like I said, we felt called here. God was calling us here, so despite everything being uncertain and unstable, holding on to Yahweh Jireh, the Lord who has us in his vision. He gave us his provision. As God makes this request to Abraham, I wonder what was at stake for him. I guess Isaac was at stake, wasn't he? Isaac, 
Yes, but not just Isaac. Because if Isaac was sacrificed by Abraham, that would affect the whole family, wouldn't it? All of Abraham's family. So Isaac was at stake, yes, but also the family. And if the family was at stake, then the nation that God had said Abraham would be father of, that nation was at stake. And then not just the nation, because the descendants were to have the messianic bloodline. That's the bloodline that Jesus was to come from. So the messianic bloodline was at stake. Salvation. Jesus, our redeemer, the one who saves. If his bloodline didn't exist, salvation itself was at stake. God's word, would he keep it? That was at stake. Therefore, God's character was at stake. The very name of God was at stake. Would God let Abraham down and break his promises to Abraham? Would he go back on his word of making him a father of nations and wreck the one chance that Abraham had, a son in his old age, to follow through on what he said? And here is Abraham, choosing to be obedient despite all that was at stake. The stakes were high for Abraham. His example is one of him choosing to trust God over fearing loss. And as I mentioned at the beginning, it's a foreshadowing story. When God approaches Abraham and asks him to do this, God was leaving a foreshadow of what happens with his beloved son, his only son, Jesus. The ultimate expression of seeing us and providing. God the Father sent his only son and Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice for us all taking on everything that separated us from a right relationship with God himself. Yahweh Jireh, the Lord provides. The stakes were high for Abraham. The stakes can be high for us as we choose to trust God, but God was willing to endure higher stakes for us. Thirdly, look up. We read in verses 12 to 14 that just as Abraham was going to do as God had said, the angel of the Lord appeared. And as you look at those verses, does the angel of the Lord say, sacrifice a ram instead? Look, here is one that the Lord has provided. No, he doesn't. Abraham looked up and he saw it. He recognised the provision of God. And as we take our eyes off our situations, where might we see God providing for us? Look up. So let's go back to those questions that we were asking at the beginning. What decision should I make that would be godly? How can I, can I honour God with my life? What is God like? Who is God? Jehovah Jireh. God revealing who he is through his actions. We can know from this story and the action of God 
that God is the provider. And the ultimate expression of this is found in the Lord Jesus, providing a way for us to know him and to be welcomed home by the Father. God is the one who sees you. The stakes of being obedient can be high, but for God, they were higher. And look up and see where God might be providing for your needs. This is who God is. Amen.